All right, welcome to Totem Talks Episode 2 with your favorite Bucks County cover band, Hello Totem. It's good to be here. Yep. Uh, I'll start off. I am Pat, the lead singer of Low Totem. I am Nick. I also sing sometimes, but I am better known as the guitarist and keyboardist for Low Totem. And I am Tyler. I'm in charge of all the pyrotechnics for Low Totem. I'm oh. why they look so good. Lots of all of our pyrotechnics all the in our in our bars and restaurants yeah. that we cover. Yeah, they in. love when we bring fireworks <laughs> into the bar. There are a lot of waivers I see. Uh, and don't <laughs> worry if you're if you're thinking like, wow, I haven't heard of these guys yeah, as a we- band. I only know them as podcasters. That's totally fine. Uh, that means you've heard our previous episode, and that's yeah, totally if, cool with if us. If you've heard of us in any capacity, I mean, that's yeah, a we're major super improvement. Happy for you. So. <laughs> we're super happy for you that you're experiencing yeah, Right, it. right. Sure, that's what it is. Uh, so anyway, this is Totem Talks, uh, where we're going to be taking artists, uh, musical groups, uh, bands, and evaluating them, ranking them, giving them scores, and then just overall just judging them in a judgy judgy way yeah personally 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 judging these. them no yeah. uh <laughs> that's basically it uh last episode uh we did oasis in uh, sync and the beatles yes and we evaluate them on five factors which yeah if you want an, uh, a full explanation on what each of those five factors are and what they mean to us Make sure you just listen to that first episode. Right, exactly. Um, um, we we'll, really we we'll gloss over it as we go, exactly. but if you want a full breakdown of everything, that first episode is really where you need to be. Exactly. Um, so for this episode, uh, we, we again have three artists, and the three artists we're doing today are Greta Van Fleet, Van Morrison, and the Ramones. Uh, so... Yeah, three yeah, very, very different artists, oh, I would definitely. say. Um, interesting in their own ways. Uh, and then we're going to start with Greta Van Fleet. Uh, I feel like that's the one that people know the least about. For sure. So we wanted to be able to like kind of maybe introduce you to Greta Van Fleet. Cool. So uh, I'll start off with saying Greta Van Fleet is an American rock band. They were formed in Michigan in 2012. Uh, now, it's made up of three brothers, uh, two of which are twins, and then uh, the drummer who is not related to them, as far as I'm aware. As far as we're aware. Um, so that's that. Uh, as of right now, they have one EP and one album. Uh, they had a second EP that was released before, but the EP that we did contains all those songs anyway. Correct. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, so for for listening to them, it wasn't much to listen to. Uh, like we said, well, just, and it, you don't mean that in a dismissive way. No, just not, it was a of, enjoyable not a lot of volume, to. not a lot yes, of songs, but a small volume. Yeah, so we listened to their EP from the fires, and then we also listened to their album Anthem of the Peaceful Army, and that's what we're using to to base everything on because Correct. that's all we have. Uh, so let's jump into from the fires, and uh, Tyler, why don't you go first, and why don't you give us what you thought about listening to Greta Van Fleet's From the Fires? Uh, yeah, so I'm definitely not the uh, the music expert or the music connoisseur out of the three. Um, That's me. I've literally never heard of them at all until I was told to listen to them. Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of 70s rock. And that's pretty much the vibe that I got from listening to both of their that albums. That is a great point. Before we get too far in, I want to let you mm. do your whole opinion. Yeah. We should talk about the fact that Greta Van Fleet is widely known as 
sounding and performing a lot like Led Zeppelin. Well, yeah, yes. and that's and that's pretty much where I yeah. I was coming from. It, all of it was definitely new, but it was incredibly familiar, and I don't mean to dock them right. musically mm-hmm. for that. I actually think it takes a lot of talent to sound like someone without just doing covers yeah. of their songs. Sure. Uh, definitely takes a certain skill set. And it's definitely like it's music that I would definitely have on a playlist and would just put on with, you know, my rock collection. Yeah. Right. But that said, I would have a really hard time even now really picking them out when I hear them. Right. Because it mm-hmm. sounds so much, not just like Zeppelin, it sounds so kind of generic 70s rock in general yeah. that. You know, unless I was up close to the speaker and listening to it and like actively listening, I don't know if I really would be able to go, oh, this is a Greta Van Fleet song. I think I would just mm. assume it's, you know, classic rock. Totally. I still, I just, in terms of their name, I just can't get over it. Every time I hear Greta Van Fleet, I just think of like Lana Del Rey. And they're so different. Like, yeah, I can't. I just, I get that like vibe. I'm like, oh, cool, like, like one of those like yeah, vibes. But it's no, it's not. It's no. like hard '70s okay. rock. Yeah, I will say the one thing that does really stick out about Greta Van Fleet is their lead singer. I mean, yeah. Other than Robert Plant, no one has ever quite sounded like that. No, exactly. And that's why they get the, so that that's what is definitely u- the unique thing about it. It's like you can hear them. It's like, oh, this is either Led Zeppelin or Greta Van Fleet. It could only it be could only be those artists. two when you like listen to his voice for yeah. sure. And it's a lot of talent. It really is. Um, for sure. Specifically for me, for From the Fires, mm-hmm. uh, I think, Nick, we had talked about this, and we both agree that we like the EP more than the album. Correct. Correct. Um, now, Tyler, we didn't. I don't know what your opinions are. You kind of just liked them both. I had absolutely no idea that there was an EP. I just typed them in on oh, my, and listened to oh, it all just yeah, on oh, okay. my, on gotcha. my music gotcha. streaming thing. And because there were only two albums i just listened through fair enough fair enough fair enough okay so in terms of the ep um my favorite song on it is black smoke rising which is a great one uh which was the title of the original ep Mm -hmm. and i totally get why yeah i agree uh it's definitely the best song uh we also uh really like a change is gonna come which Mm. was the sam cook cover Great, yeah. great song. And then, I mean, the other ones are kind of different too. Like Safari Song and Highway Tune, which were the two singles released from this yeah. EP, are very much like in the hard rock riff, riffin' type, like fast paced song, which are really good. I like that a lot. And then Black Smoke Rising is a little bit different than that. Yeah. Flower Power is definitely more of like a yeah. laid back acoustic y feel, uh, more so than the other ones. And I like that. I, I mean, I liked all of it, really. Yeah. Um, all in all, and excellent reviews. Yeah, excellent, excellent reviews. reviews. People really, through. really enjoy Greta Van Fleet and really like their music and like what they're what they're pushing towards. Right. Until Anthem of a Peaceful Army, their first album came out, where the reviews slipped tremendously. Yes, that is. Although that I don't is true. think it's. I don't think it's remarkably worse than their original EP, which so, was received yeah, I'll be, so well. I'll be honest. I didn't really agree with mm. the review slide like it did because i mean again i listened to them consecutively so there wasn't like a pause or a break for me mm. but at the same yeah. time i didn't 
I didn't feel like I was listening to an entirely different album. They both yeah. just seemed to flow into each other the same way. I mean, maybe people expected more and were disappointed because it was more the same. But I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I think to a certain extent, consistency as, yeah. a, as a group is important. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as long as that consistency isn't the same exact yeah, thing. Yeah, as long as it doesn't go stale. But, like, I don't, I think it's way too soon to say mm-hmm. that Greta Van Fleet has gone stale. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's honestly hard to almost give them a review because all I really know about them right now are these two albums, you know, mm-hmm. obviously heavily influenced from rock in the 70s, not in a negative way, just right. in their sound. And that's it. They haven't released that third album where they decide to go super punk or something you yeah. know they haven't they haven't yeah. done anything to you know, they haven't thrown a cog in the machinery sure. yet. yeah yeah the no, fact I that totally pitchfork gave them a 1.6 out of 10 i think is insane a 1.6 yeah. for this album is just ridiculous yeah because i usually re- i usually ignore reviews yeah for albums because i feel like yeah. especially when my job is mm. listen to this album and tell me what you think if i read a bunch of people's reviews all of a sudden i'm just going to be listening for those things that yeah, people didn't like right the only mm-hmm. reason why i looked at the reviews is because you guys had mentioned that people really didn't like their second album yeah. and i listened to both albums first and i looked at the reviews and i couldn't understand right. why there was such this disconnect between the first yeah. album. I'll tell you, and i, I do think... enjoy just like the absolute pain of going and reading a book or listening to an album that you really like and then just like who hated this and why let me just go see and get mad <laughs> <laughs> i totally get that uh i mean for me the only thing that i can think about Anthem of the Peaceful Army and why people may not like it is because they were just expecting Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. You know, they were expect. I mean, they're not Led Zeppelin. No. And when you when you go into it and you expect these guys sound like Led Zeppelin, they're doing things like Led Zeppelin, so they're going to release right. at the caliber Led Zeppelin release. Right. So anything that's not Led yeah, Zeppelin, if you're being is a if you're being held to the standard of arguably one of the top rock bands of all time. For sure. Like, that's just such an unrealistic standard to hold them to. I totally agree. I mean, I granted, I don't think it's as good as the EP. Right. I, I don't. Do I. But I don't think it's awful. No, I think it's not that, bad. I just think that um, none of it jumps at me exactly it's there's yeah. a forgettability factor yeah here. like what i was like what i was saying before like they they haven't done anything different but they right. haven't done anything wrong either i mean you can't say a band's gone stale at their second album I right agree. they need to release a third album that's exactly the same yeah, right. before and we can say yeah, yeah before right. they, you know before we can say oh well they just yeah. do the same thing right. i would say like on anthem of the peace form if you're going to listen to one tune the one that does stick out the most is lover lever take or believer yeah that's absolutely. the one that that really like will will stick out to you and be more memorable than the rest of the tunes. But, but the other tunes are good. Th- yeah, they're it's good. It's worth a listen. Agreed. They're they're solid. I can't wait to see what they continue to do. I agree. I can't wait to see if they start to experiment a little bit. Maybe see what else they can they can throw uh, their lead singer's voice into and yeah, yeah and I look forward to revisiting out. this band in yeah. Yeah. years and, from now and seeing how much they've grown. And I also think be- because I wasn't initially told about um about the 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 similarities between them and you know i honestly think if you just ignore that go into it and just listen to it yes obviously you'll you'll hear the similarities but if somebody says yo they're the next zeppelin and you're listening to them 
you're listening to as comparing the next Zeppelin, to, yeah. then yeah, you're obviously going to hear every yeah, time unfair. they don't reach that mark. Right. I think there's a huge difference between saying this band sounds like Led Zeppelin and this band is the next Led Zeppelin. I right. think that creates a whole different expectation and I think that's one of the main reasons that that album kind of got blasted. Right. And you know, it's also sort of in a lot of ways like one of the major failings of Oasis from our first episode, how we right. kind of compared, how, how they were compared, they were, were going to be the next the Beatles. Beatles. Yes. Right. And then they couldn't quite be the Beatles and have a perfect album every time they came out. And so they fell off very quickly. Nick really likes the Beatles. Just Who if you doesn't? haven't caught on to that. Who doesn't like <laughs> the Beatles? I'm sure there's people, man. I'm know. I'm not one of them. You know. know that. But I'm sure there are people. They have to exist. Yes. I've always been right. more of a Ruddles guy. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's give Greta Van Fleet some grades Yeah, here. let's start giving um, them some grades. Before we get too far into the grades, I do just have to say this. Please. A little point of trivia. Please go go on YouTube, look up a Greta Van Fleet interview, and listen to their lead singer's speaking voice. It is the weirdest it's, speaking voice I have ever heard in my life. They are from Michigan. And... I don't know where he sounds like yeah, he's you from. Can't, you can't even I don't know if that is a Michigan voice. accent. I feel like I would have known you, if you that like is what get it. Like, Michigan accents sounded like. But it's bizarre. It is. And, and the other members of the band don't sound like that. No, and they're no, all from the same small town. <laughs> and yeah, two of them are his brothers. One of them is his twin brother. Right. So Just go ahead, Who give knows? it a listen, and then please... You know, that's why they have those signs right as you enter Michigan that say welcome to Michigan. Are you sure about this? <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Michigan. Yeah. Right, Tyler's right, right, opinion yeah. does not reflect low exactly. totems. So we'd right, love right, to come right, play right. a gig for you in Absolutely. Michigan. All right. Uh, cultural impact for Greta Van Fleet. Obviously, they're very new to the scene. They haven't released a lot. Their cultural impact is going to be hurt by just how new they are and yeah, they haven't had a chance. I mean, I, I personally the the sheer newness of the band. I mean, they're even if you don't count the EP, even or right. even if you do count the EP, 3 years. So 2017 sure. to 2020. Mm-hmm. If you count their album as like the first like moment for them, that's 2018. That's only 2 years. Right. Uh I would typically give a band like that a 1 as unless the album was already like quadruple platinum blah, sure. blah, blah. I think there are two factors that go into and I, the fact yeah, that I think the I think the the Led Zeppelin comparisons and stuff yes. push them a little bit higher. And the fact that they've gotten that has given them other opportunities to push them a little bit right. higher. Like as far as a rock and roll band that is closest to coming into the mainstream, they're like the closest yeah. one towards working into that. And because of that they did get you know, they did get to play on S N L, which I do think is a at least a a mild factor in terms of their their cultural impact. Like, are you popular enough to be the musical guest on Saturday Night Live when you're I, like 19? I mean, maybe if it was the 70s or the 80s, being a musical guest on still, SNL but a lot of people watch Saturday Night Live, and <laughs> no, honestly, and a lot the of demographic people of people the musical guests. True, true. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you, but the demographic of people who are most likely to still be watching Saturday Night Live and not skipping are probably the kind of people who would hear Greta Van Fleet and say, wow, I haven't heard anything like this in a long time. I like this. Yeah. I would, I'd be saying a two. Yeah. That's my thought process is a two. I agree. Two, two it is. Two makes sense to me. Yeah, that sounds fair. So there are two. Uh, So we're moving on to the next factor, which is breadth of work. Yes. Which again is, again is, yeah, not a lot. 
I I liked the songs that they have. For sure. But they only have, I think it's 70 minutes of music overall. Total, yeah. It's it's 18 songs. Sure. But I should, Two of them are covers. I should mm-hmm. mention that, uh, you know, it's solid through and through. I don't think that yeah. there's, you know, these are two albums that you can put on and leave on. And For sure. And not skip yeah and i think that gives them some points right i still think they're below the average of successful average but but it's still but it's 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 still a tough thing to grade them on being so early i agree yeah i i probably i i wouldn't feel comfortable going lower than a three right probably which were on a similar page i was thinking around a three five ish okay so just for a reference point so in our first episode, we did talk yes. about in sync in this category and gave them a three for their three albums and like five songs that are being remembered. Right, and that's I would quality. say Greta Van Fleet with less music has put out more good songs. Yeah, but also yeah. we gave in sync a three, and they're finished. True, yeah. Greta Van True. Fleet is still actively performing, and we're only giving them a three because so. we only have got. Two albums to exactly. work. Yeah, which so is I can, why I think so they can get a three higher. and a little bit of change. Yeah. Three, three, five, three, four. Three, maybe. four. I think is the way to go. Cool. I'm, so, I'm down for that. Which brings us to instrumental talent, which is the next thing to rank them on. And I've got to say, if we take vocals out of it for a second, they're solid. They're pretty decent. Yeah, players. they're they're pretty decent. I mean, but I've heard, I do like, hear a little bit of interesting stuff from the guitarist. I agree. And I will say, for me, so. We had spoken about them before, and since then, there was this one video that I saw, and I remember talking to you about okay. it. It was an acoustic version of Black Smoke Rising, right? and they did it for this radio show, and normally when a full band, a rock band, does an acoustic performance, their drummer will play like the cajon or some type of rhythm, like a, like right. a, like a shaker or something like that. Exactly. Their drummer played the 12-string guitar. Which is cool. Which it's is super nice to have cool, versatility. super versatile, and I think that adds to the instrumental talent a little bit. I think that's fair. So I would say that they that does put they're still like close-ish to that very average five range for me. Yeah, until but their singer to, is just Josh. like yeah, their I lead mean, singer he is so good. He's like so good and such a unique voice. Like I said, Robert Plant and him are the only yeah. two people who have ever had a voice that sounds quite like that. Right, so you're thinking like a six? Like oh, I would all the say way, a, a six. Whole, uh, a yeah, I would give him a, number would grade him up. a six. What do you That's think, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, as a non-musician, I didn't study music in school, so this is literally just, you know, me with my ears, not really knowing what I'm talking about, just kind of blowing smoke. I, I definitely Is the black think- smoke you're blowing rising? Yeah. <laughs> That is That's what happens with smoke. It does, it does rise. <laughs> That's the name of the, That's the name of their song. Oh, you were doing a pun. I was yes. doing a pun on their song. Yes, he we is. should definitely leave the humor to somebody else. Uh, <laughs> I have never <laughs> claimed <laughs> to be wow. funny. Okay. Anyway, but but like I, I don't know. As went as, right at him. As, as the <laughs> as the average guy, just listening to them, they definitely sound above average to me. They don't sound like you're you're running the mill couple of guys who sort of know how to play tight band. So I would probably give them about. Probably about a five or six. Okay. Yeah, well, okay. That, that puts us right at six, which is where we feel so, comfortable. It's a rough them. category for me to judge because I just don't know. Understandable. How yeah, much the more it episodes takes in, once you're, once you're comparing <laughs> yes. them. I mean, I think 
in terms of you can compare them to, like I said, we talked about last episode. You can compare them to NSYNC and they are better. And you can compare them to Oasis. And I think Not their like, lead singer pushes them above yeah, Oasis in terms of, in terms of uh, I mean, Liam Gallagher is a good singer. but I mean, He's I, also got a kind of weird voice, Yeah, to be fair. I've got a Casio keyboard with like preloaded audio loops on there. That blows my mind every time. Yeah. <laughs> so Okay, so songwriting talent uh, is the Again. next category. We only have a very small yeah, number very of songs small, to kind of compare. They can do more than one thing. Yeah. What I would really like to see, thing. for me, I mean, this this number is above average for me. Um, I think this number could jump or fall depending on their third album. I agree. If their third album comes out and they actually try to sound different than Led Zeppelin, because they really leaned into it the first two. Yeah. You know, and I mean, Nick, you even said before... Um, you know, even their like acoustic stuff sounds yeah, like they tried like to Led be acoustic, acoustic Zeppelin, songs, right. and their hard rock stuff sounds more like a, you know Led Zeppelin being hard rock. I totally agree. If they can come out with something where they're like not trying to sound like Zeppelin, mm-hmm. and create a little bit more of a Greta Van Fleet sound, yeah, I want to hear that. I want to know what too. that yeah. is, and I I think as of right now, I wouldn't be comfortable giving them a six. So in between a five and a six, they're above I average. Think that's yeah, and I would love to see but not a six. Another thing I want want out of them: Can anyone else in that band sing? And can they maybe utilize exactly. harmonies and backing and vocals the and other, other thing. little things Correct. that make song special a little bit more? Is something that they should really. I mean, in my opinion, that's something that they would need to consider. Yeah, to go higher in the songwriting talent. So the fact they definitely do more than one kind of thing, um, but there's still a lot of pieces missing. I'm okay right. with a five and a half. Like okay. Between five and six, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, again, it's just it's too hard for me to really judge. You know, two albums, nothing was repetitive, but it's hard to repeat. If you repeat in your first eighteen, yeah, then, fair enough. Know, that's just not good. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to poetic talent, which is the last of the five factors. So, and and here's um, what I think. I think for being, I mean, when they wrote the songs. I think right now they're the oldest is 24, 25. Like that. Yeah, they're really young. So, I mean, you're talking, you're writing these songs when you're 21, 22, 23. They're good. And they have like yep. a message behind them. And I'm really like, I really enjoy some of them. Like, you know, specifically, I mean, I keep harping on Black Smoke Rising, right. but like that song has like a very distinct meaning behind it. And sure. I think that's really interesting. I think they're above average. I've heard so many. I've heard so many like lyrics that come out where it's just like, oh my gosh, like this again. Like I feel like I've heard this song a million times, even though mm-hmm. I've never heard it before. Like Yeah, and I don't feel like we're hitting cliches over and right. over again. They're writing I don't hear like anything that. cliche. I don't hear anything super repetitive. I do feel like sometimes that it just feels like Zeppelin inspired in some of their lyrics. Oh yeah. A little. Inspired just is inspired. Is, inspired. Yeah. I don't I don't I'm not taking away from them. Yeah, I mean, Um, I'm at a point now with music, especially like doing these deep dives into artists where mm -hmm. if you can come up with multiple songs and they're not all about a breakup or getting someone you love back, then you sold me like you can have one or two. Yeah, that's fine. You know, as long as it's not really generic in the whole love story right. angle i you know i i want to hear what it was you two had i want to hear why you want that back mm-hmm. i want to hear what awful thing split you apart exactly and, and these songs and, and that's a great way to say it because i was going to say like 
even writing about love or the loss of love or things like that, like obviously people are going to write about that. But if you, yeah, it's universal. If you can write about it in a way that makes me want to listen, sure, then you lose no points from me. Yeah, there's, I totally there's agree a with difference. That. There's a difference between romance being the subject of your song and romance being the premise of your song. Yeah, you know if, exactly. If, mm. if you can tell a love story in your song, and that love story is unique to you, unique to your song, that's interesting. If you're just two people who like each other, and it didn't quite work out at first, but I don't have much more to say. That's that's not impressive yeah. to me. And we I all will know say, if you what want love my, is, my, how it works. My tinfoil hat theory on this a little bit. Okay, go ahead. I think that more and more, what is happening is record labels and studios want you to write a song that is relatable to the most people. Oh, absolutely. That's not even tinfoil. Because that's I mean, how they sell. Model. Yeah, because yeah. that's how they sell. If you're like, absolutely, oh, that's the business I'm model. the one who loved that girl and lost that girl. So then what happens is you get these bands who have talent who are almost being told to write more generic. Yeah, yeah. but at the same but at the same time there are bands who have been put in that awkward situation where they have a label who's forcing something on them and they still manage to make something unique. Oh, very true. Very true. Yeah, I agree. You know, you can you can write a quote unquote generic love song with hidden meaning below. Yes. Mm-hmm. And hit the hit the wide audience and hit. Shout right, out to uh, the song "Love Song" by Sarah Bareilles, who does that. Ah, well done. I don't know if I'll shout out Sarah Bareilles much more, but no, probably not. Shout out to that because that song is like a super generic love song until you realize she wrote it as basically an fu to her label, who were like, yeah, "You need right. to write more love songs." Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, there sense. are ways around it. So that was just that right. point. Um. um so we've got, I'd say in between a five and a five and a half for poetic talent. Personally, I'm cool with that. Yeah, How about that like a five fair. three round up. I would say about a five three. I think that's fair. And in is terms, there an X factor? Yeah. So the last uh, the last category is the X factor. I think you could potentially give them a little bit for the Zeppelin comparison. Not a lot, but I also something. think that we already gave them some for their cultural and impact. I, so I'd be comfortable leaving them a zero X factor for now. I think that's exactly what we're going to do, and we're going to move on to Van the Man. Yep, Van the Man Morrison. Who, so my God, he's seventy-four, and he has put out forty-one studio albums. Yes, so including one last year in twenty nineteen, which is just amazing. Right, it really is. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, so Van Morrison, uh, he is a Northern Irish singer songwriter. Uh, and like Nick said, he's 74 uh, years active. He started being active in 1958 and is still active today. And he was originally with the band Them, which is where yes. he kind of came onto the, the rock scene. And then... So if we go to Van Morrison's discography, again, Nick nailed it. 41 studio albums Ooh. from Van Morrison. And <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Brown Eyed Girl. That was on his first one. Yeah. And, so well, 40 hey, more albums. Hey, there are other good songs. I'm not saying there aren't, but when people think of Van Morrison, they think of Brown Eyed Girl. I think also Moondance, but that's fine. Yeah, you well, are you, you know what yeah, I, entitled I, to that. You know, I, you know what I personally love about the song Brown Eyed Girl is the fact that, you know, especially at the time, the idea of, of beauty, about like what everybody was singing about, mm. it was always these, you know, fair-skinned, light-colored 
eyes and yeah. whatnot, and he went straight for like the most generic cookie cutter girl you can get, <laughs> like the average girl on mm. the street, versus like. What? Which is arguably one of the yeah. reasons the song got so popular because, yeah. you know, those girls who didn't have songs about them were like, oh, my gosh, this one's for me. This one's for me. I love it. But I will say if we're going to just get right in on this first album, which was Blowing Your Mind in 1967, where that was the first track on. So it was his introduction to the world as a solo artist. Really. Yes. Blowing Your Mind is um, is very that Brown Eyed Girl is really good. TB Sheets was the song that stood out to me as kind of like the whoa I've never heard this and this is really cool. It's like okay. a ten minute long, yeah, weird it's, delve it's into psychedelic rock. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was so. I was not expecting so, like a ten minute psychedelic rock song from Van Morrison because you think of Brown Eyed yeah, Girl, yeah, you think Dance of Brown Eyed Girl, like yeah, that. maybe even more jazzier influence songs. But I wasn't ready for this like psychedelic anthem, and I really dug it. Right, so. I agree. Um, obviously, Brown Eyed Girl, the first song on his first album, arguably his most famous. Uh, I definitely think this album had its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. I personally didn't love Spanish Rose. I My notes next to that are not a great vocal performance. Yeah, no, I yeah, did not love were... Spanish Rose. Um, I I was okay with Who Drove the Red Sports Car. Mm-hmm. Um I kind of liked Midnight Special. Yeah, that's a traditional one, though. Like that's yeah, it's a traditional folk song, but I mean, I liked his take on it. I agree. Um, but for the most part, you know, personally, I'm not a huge Van Morrison fan. Yeah, his vocals uh, But for at me the same time, very, I'm like, sure in the 41 miss. albums, I would find at least a full album of songs I enjoyed. Definitely. Like... And Brown Eyed Girl is one of them on this one, and I would argue that Midnight Special is one. Yeah, and for uh, me, TB Sheets was really good. Yeah. Um, Tyler, what did you think? I, I'll say this. Uh, going going through just these three Van Morrison albums actually got me to go through like the rest of his work because I only ever like listened to songs growing up. I didn't collect. Mm-hmm. I didn't like you know go after artists. And my dad is like a big fan. I like this is the music that he listened to when he grew up. Yeah. So many of Van Morrison's songs do I remember, but never knew who that, yeah, sang that was them, and never knew like well, a very distinct what voice. they were called. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this: very, very pleasant to listen to all the way through. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. even if even if you they don't stick out to you and you don't remember the names of the tracks. They definitely conjure up those images of the seventies and super easy to just throw on at a party and just have this kind of give that Mm ambiance on there. I I guess my, my only real negative I have towards Van Morrison, which is not even a fair negative to give to him during the the late 60s and 70s is when musicians really started experimenting with stereo recording okay and and you know some people might see it as a positive i sort of see it as almost a negative thing but then again everybody was doing it, it you get some tracks where it for seemingly no reason at all you've got a whole lot happening on the right and then barely anything on the left, you know, on a turntable with a full hi-fi system, that probably would sound absolutely fine. 
But if you're listening to this with headphones on, you're like, this sounds really unbalanced. Right. Uh, mm. But it was that, that, that's just what they were doing at the time yeah. because they suddenly were like, oh, what would happen if we play different channels? So, so I can't take too much away from them for doing that because, the, I mean, the Beatles are like the number one culprit for doing stuff like that. Mm. For no reason, they'll have the vocals on the right side. Yeah. And the entire music is playing on the left. Sure. And, you know, again, you put that on a hi-fi system, no problem. You put headphones on, you're like, well, why is this happening? <laughs> you know, I can't take one earbud out because now I can't hear right. what's going on. You know, so it's almost like, I, and people, music people out there and real audiophiles would probably hate me for doing this, but it's why when I listen to a lot of rock from the, you know, the 60s and the 70s, I'll usually put my stuff to mono just so it's all balanced and coming out of both channels equally. But I know that's not how the artist originally right. intended for it. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's like sometimes when that's important where there's you're supposed to hear something moving across from speaker yeah. to speaker. Like there are if you're not using it for those purposes, I can understand why it would be frustrating. But I've heard plenty of great songs where you're supposed to like hear the effect moving from your right ear to your left ear and back. Yeah, and, I mean and and for those numbers I, I I can identify like when it's it's supposed to be yeah. something. There are a lot yeah. of songs and it's not just Van Morrison's, the Beatles, a lot of groups that were popular around right. that time where you know, whether for better or for worse, you just had a whole lot of stuff balanced to one side and nothing on the other for seemingly no reason other than right. we can do this now. Right. Uh okay, yeah. so moving on uh, from the first album, Blowing Your Mind, to, to Moondance. Best, best album. Yes. Uh, so Moondance is his best album uh, t- commercially. And, and I think objectively. Nick thinks objectively. <laughs> I will say of the three, I would agree objectively, but there's so many right, that I true. haven't heard. There, that's fair. That I can't be sure. Um, out of the three we listened to, this is my favorite one. Um. I particularly liked Into the Mystic. It's a great song. Uh, Moon Dance is the title track, and it's very strong. So good. So good. Um, I really liked Into the Mystic, and I also uh, really liked Brand New Day. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Those are my three that I enjoyed. Again, uh, as Tyler said, really easy to listen to, mm-hmm. um, really solid all the way through. Yeah, and I was, and I love all these songs on this album. I was, It's a really strong A-side. Like Brand yeah. New Day is a good song. The A side and it stoned me. Moon dance, crazy love caravan into the mystic. One, two, three, four, five in a row. It's hard to to come up with a better A side than that. I think all five of those songs are winners. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, it really really impressive. And I love all the jazz influences and songs like Moon Dance that and the great saxophone solos. Like, very cool work. Yeah. I had no idea what Van Morrison looked like. So when I saw the album art of this episode, I was really confused as to why he had uh, Van Gogh all over the album. Because that's <laughs> definitely who I thought this was. <laughs> but yeah, I I, 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 I will say, uh, fun fact about uh, Blowing Your Mind, mm-hmm. just to p- pee back there real quick. Van Morrison had no idea they were releasing an album when Blowing Your Mind came out. It was all just tracks he recorded for the for the studio. Fascinating. And then they were like, yo, it's your debut album. And they showed him that album art, and he like almost threw up. He thought it was the ugliest thing he'd ever seen huh. in his life. And it is commonly voted as one of the ugliest album art covers of all time. For Blowing Your Mind or for Moon For Dance? Blowing Your Mind, not okay. for Oh, uh, well, it's it's such a, a 60s cliche. Yeah, and yeah. he hated of it. Of course. So just throwing that out there, um, 
I should have mentioned, by the way, before we leave Moondance entire, and sure, entire yeah, before well, we go into the last one. Every review on that album, I mean, 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5, 5 out of 5. Like, the worst you can get is, like, a 4.5 out of 5 stars. Yeah, it is a like, very, very thoroughly super, solid album. Yeah, the, sure. it's critic, critically received very well. Yeah. So, as long as we have nothing else to say about Moondance, I think we I should move on to Three Chords and the Truth. From 2019. From 2019. Like, October of 2019. Yeah, so, this so album is not even a year it old It is yet. not even a year old yet, which means Van Morrison... You know, was recording this at 73. Yeah, really impressive. And I will tell you, uh, so Nick and I listened to uh, at least the beginning of this one together. Um, and right. then we listened to it uh, separately after that. But we both kind of put it on a little apprehensively. Like, oh man, how different can this be from like the 60s and 70s to today? Really held up well. Yeah. Like My number one note. Is like wow, and I listened to it right after Moondance, and I was like, "Oh, in forty nine years, his voice barely changed. Like he still really got the vocal chops. It was really yeah. impressive for someone in their seventies." Well, and that's and that's the difference between someone who's a singer and someone who just sings for fun. Like clearly, he knows how to take care of his voice. Because yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. I again, not being a music connoisseur. You gave me the three albums to listen to. I didn't pay attention to the release date initially. Mm. I listened through the three albums. I couldn't have told you that, that was, yeah. you know, yeah. one album, that, that the albums came out almost 50 years apart yeah. from each it's other. really I, incredible. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, I will say for me, I really enjoyed some of the commentary in this one. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, for instance, he has uh, nobody in charge. Mm-hmm. which uh, even he's come out and said is about Brexit. Yeah, okay, And very cool. listening to it after hearing that, I was like, oh, I totally get it. Like, Right. It's just really interesting. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because you wouldn't think of, like, it's just so weird to think of a guy like Van Morrison making commentary on a modern political issue for yeah, the it, EU. exactly. <laughs> you know, and then uh, he's got Does Love Conquer All? Um, which is also a really solid one. Um, I mm-hmm. think that one was probably my favorite one in this yeah, album. Yeah, it's, it's a very good one. It's a very good one. And, and honestly, like the tracks that you pick out are, are tracks that stand out a little bit more for me as well. Um, this was another one of those albums, especially it was, um, I don't know, there wasn't something that really stands out as totally different to me okay. too often. Um, like... And I don't mean this in a negative way, just like we've talked about other artists where it's like, oh, this was like a little bit more on the forgettable side for yeah. most of the tracks, but pleasant. Right. I totally get that. Pleasantly forgettable is, I guess, I think a new key phrase that I'm going to be yeah. copywriting for this podcast. Like, oh, That's this album was pleasantly forgettable. Um, but not bad. No, never bad. Okay. I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I consistently enjoyed listening to his music all the way through uh, I think it's incredible that he's managed to keep almost the exact same sound without sacrificing originality and creativity which I think is mm. great there are a lot of bands who just kind of pigeonhole themselves into one genre yeah. of music and they just parody themselves over and over right. and over again where uh, you know yeah he's got an album that came out in 2019 and I think this album would sell just as well as uh, as it did now. Then I mean, it probably would have sold better 
some years sure, earlier right. just because people would now. know his name yeah. more. But I mean, like, as far as like sounding like it's a Van Morrison album, it absolutely sounds like a Van Morrison yeah. album. You know, I do it, also think he should have considered re-releasing Brown Eyed Girl on every album he released. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would he help. would have sold way more albums. Yeah, only well, because that's the song everybody knows. Fair enough. All right, uh, are we ready to? Grade yeah, him? let's start going into some scores here. So, Van Morrison's cultural impact. I mean, he. I know for you guys, he, his name was probably a lot less present as someone who had always grown up listening to classic rock and classic rock radio like his name was a name that i always knew ever since i was a kid it, there was it's not like right you could have asked me when i was seven like have you heard of ann Morrison? i would have been like yeah, yeah the guy this, who does moon dance this is <laughs> this is for me where i think your opinion is a little too deep cut fair enough for instance you told me when we listened to van morrison together mm-hmm. That Moondance was your parents' wedding song? That's correct. I can't Which means that. you automatically have a little bit of a... Bo- like, right. Not I, that that wasn't a popular album in 1970. It was a very popular, it was a popular album. Popular but I'm just a popular saying, popular like, song that gets played on the radio to this day. Very true. I think Van Morrison's cultural impact is not too high above average. I would totally agree with that. With the yeah, exception totally, of Brown Eyed Girl. I definitely... I, I still, Moondance still does get radio play, so I want to give it I credit. definitely think... I think I definitely think his cultural impact has has waned. Yes, I I think the seventies is where it peaked, and I think it kind of fell off from there. Yeah, really, but from that, like sixty seven to like seventy two. But that said, yeah, the sheer number of albums he's put out, not a single one of those albums could be said to be objectively bad. Right, and I mean, if the albums you know, weren't selling at least to somebody, well, yeah, they would have stopped them at some point. They, yeah, nobody would have too. signed them to the record label you know, if he wasn't. You know, nowadays say, you could be a solo artist and you can just release music on your own dime and you can make money. But like yeah. back when he was putting all these albums out, they were there were studios that were financially involved in this. They right. wouldn't have continued to put his albums out if they didn't think that there was a market. For I will say, right. just so we're all clear, in the UK. He is still very popular. Interesting. For instance, Three Chords and the Truth charted at number 13 in the UK charts. Oh, wow. Um, and then he's had a couple albums. Roll With the Punches from 2017 charted at four. Keep nice. Me Singing at four. Yeah, you're like, right. Like, I mean, he he was charting in the top 10, you know, you're very, right. very recently. I mean, 2017. So in terms of his cultural impact, just because he's not culturally impacting us, as 20-somethings in America. Great point. He's still charting. Like, I would give him more points than I thought of after knowing that. That's good. And that's sort of like when we talked about Oasis on the other episode. Like, their cultural impact in the UK is like 10 times what it would be just in America. Right. But it's just, they're just so huge there that it, like, they forced them on us. Yeah. Almost, you know. So Well, well if that's the case, then we need to reevaluate in sync Because they <laughs> blew up in Japan and Korea. <laughs> So if, if Japanese sales are all you need, Cheap Trick might be the biggest band. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Van Morrison, I personally would say, I was thinking around a five-ish mm-hmm. after seeing the thing about the charts in the UK and, you know, just Brown Eyed Girl itself, I'd be willing to go up to, like, in the six range. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's that, right. that seems like a that, I think that six like a right on the area. button is good. Yeah, I think so. Uh, breadth of Work. Uh, you it's got to be knock up there. the guy for forty. It's got to be up there. I, I mean, mean, I would, I would put that. I would put. I mean, I, mean, I know what hurts him I, is that he has two or three songs that people remember. 
honestly. But here, here's yeah, what... But you know what? I mean, I, I know we said we can't give anybody really a 10 because 10 is perfection, but he hmm. has to be at least an 8 or a 9. I think he's, he's yeah, up there, yeah. He's been I think he's, consistently I think I would give him like a high 8. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's Almost been a consistently nine, putting work out. 8-8 eight, eight, maybe. 8-8 eight, eight sounds good because 41 albums, all good. Just yeah, yeah. Good what hurts him is that he song. hasn't had like the greatness album after album after album. Yeah, of, but he has had a very uh, incredible very solid career. Work. Yeah, very like, very solid career. But but I also like want to make sure it, it's put out. Like not only are these good albums, but they're good albums that aren't just like re-recordings. Yes, of, of very his, true. Of yes. his, it's constantly hits. original work. It, yeah, it's constantly new tracks in there. Yes. So I mean, and there the, are, yeah. there are a lot of bands the that only still pump is, out more albums, right. but just re-record their you're old right. stuff. The only thing that shaves the, those points off for him is is the fact that it's. I mean, it's he has two or three songs that people yeah. really remember, and that's the only thing that he's losing for. Um, really. So, in terms of his instrumental talent, yeah, I learned some new things about this while researching because Van. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always think of Van as the singer. Yes, and I didn't realize that he also plays uh, guitar, harmonica, saxophone, keyboards, drums, tambourine, and ukulele. Yeah, he, which he's, is super interesting. He's got a lot of it, and I, you hear some of it in his music. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean. I still wouldn't give him, I mean... His voice is, it can be very irking. Let me put it to you this way. <laughs> I think it's even more impressive to me that I would give him about a four at this. That's I how bad you hate his voice? I think he's below average. I think, I think just I think just in general. Uh, I, I think maybe, hold on, hold on. Hear me out now. Okay. Just his playing of the instruments and mm-hmm. singing... I don't think anything he does. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I think, and I think his voice is below average. I agree. Which that I his think, voice is below average. I think that is even more impressive that he's managed to have such a long, successful career. Mm-hmm. When I find his actual instrumental talent yeah. to be below average, right? And that's his voice. I don't. I know he plays all those instruments because you know we've read about him. I yeah. don't know which instruments he's playing on which records because if you take a record like Moondance, right. it's really good playing like. Jazzy songs like that aren't necessarily easy to play. Like it's more complex yeah. than a lot of the other things that we've listened to. The saxophone solo alone on that song, if he was the one who played that sax solo, I'd be like, wow, he's a phenomenal saxophonist. You know, but it's I hard like do, we, do we include his band? He would play more saxophone. Well, do we pl- include his band? Is the question. Is this he Van is Morrison and the players, or it's just Van Morrison and it's the just Van studio Morrison instruments solo are artist, different? I would say. Okay, so if his studio instrumentalists don't count. Then that's a very different story. And I think he's about a four. To... I mean, listen, feel free to disagree Look, with me. Feel also, free to you love to give you gave credit to Greta Van Fleet for the fact that their drummer could also play the guitar, and now Van Morrison can play like seven instruments. Right, I think but that's I'm got to be a five at least. I because his voice is not good. I agree with you there, Tyler. I think you might have to be yeah, the tiebreaker. You can be the tiebreaker on this four versus five. I'm in. I'm at a four. He's at a five. Where do you think? I. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to withdraw from even being a part. I'm going to need you. <laughs> no, I'm going to need you to. <laughs> okay, be good so, so my, I, I don't know. He's he's definitely fluent with the instruments that he plays. I personally don't really have anything against his voice. Me personally, I like a nice, untrained, more. I to me it comes off as more of an honest singing when the fact okay, that okay. your your voice isn't this perfect operatic big Dylan fan huh? singer yeah, right um 
so I uh, well I, I am a fan. Yeah, of Bob I mean, I, Dylan, <laughs> honestly, yeah, I, I I can say that. I feel like you you replace Van Morrison's vocals with any other vocalist, like a professional vocalist, you're losing a lot of what brought people in in the first place. And I think I feel insulted. The way he uh, sings is I feel definitely is definitely part okay. of what makes it. So I yeah. would I would have to give him like a high four, probably like a four point five. Okay, I think well that's where we'll average out then is a four point five, four five, sure. Because I just I I feel like all right as a bad it like if your singing voice is bad on its own. And you've got nothing to bring to the table other than your singing voice, yeah. then you don't yeah. really. There's nothing you could do musically. But if you play all those instruments and your singing voice yeah. isn't that great, but you're writing your songs, yeah, you're writing for yourself. It's not somebody else writing a yeah, song for you're you. Right. So you're not hitting notes that you don't want to mm-hmm. hit. It gives it its soul. All right, okay, yeah, we we should probably push through this a little bit. Yeah. Um, so songwriting talent. The guy's got to be forty-one really good for albums. He is the lead writer on all of them, and and not just that, but like it's some of them are rock albums, some of them are more R and B or folk or blues or like folk, soul, yeah, Americana. Yes. Like it's I'm, everywhere. Jazz. I'm saying influenced. I would give him in the six point two range, above average for versatility. He loses a little points for me for just kind of like the the fact that they're not really. Up there in the cultural zeitgeist. Fair enough. I, I'm like more in the seven range for him just because I, I'm just so impressed by how many different genres he has taken on over all these different albums. And I think he can do the different genres well. I mm-hmm. will say 6.2 just because uh, my goal throughout this podcast series is to constantly make Pat the villain. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so I where are we going to average that out at around 6.2? Oh, he said, a, if, he he said, said six, if he said yeah. 6.2, then I'm 6.3. Okay, well, okay. then let's average okay, it to okay. like 6.4 because I said 7. That's fine. That's fine. 6.4 is fine. I'm determined to always have the talent, high ground. I think this is also like a pretty decent area for Van. That, w- that would be 7 for me. I don't think I, he's bad. Yeah. I would agree. Um, see, I don't for think me, he's uh, like it's Bob It's listening Dylan, to but... his later albums mm-hmm. where I'd be willing to give him more points. Like listening to his last album is where I'm like, okay, cool. So... Yeah, but you also I have listened to... to his first and second now, or first and third right. albums. Yeah, because we listen. Well, we basically listened to this guy when he was in his early twenties, and then again when he was seventy-four. And you also have right. to. You and also have to none remember... of it was rehashed. No, well, yeah, but not. you also have to remember. You got to put yourself in the shoes of what was happening when those songs were coming out. His early stuff. The reason why it probably doesn't come off as poetic to you is because back then nobody necessarily was, you know, that. Right poetic with their vocal writing lots of stuff from like the early 60s while not being terrible doesn't nearly cover as many well i mean they cover the same topics that we talk about Mm -hmm. today but not as blatantly sure it's a lot of you know inferring in the 60s whereas nowadays we just come right out and say it Mm -hmm. so it actually is very interesting to listen to him from his early work to his modern work, because you can right. hear what it was that he wanted to say, but you know yeah. it was like that wouldn't have been a popular thing in music to do back then. Mm. And then nowadays, it's like you you know unlock the floodgates. Sure. So, so you're saying like a seven? Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, that's what I said. I and said then a do seven. Where, where about do you, a seven? Where are you at? I would curious. probably give him similar to the songwriting, like a six four. So I was I'm feeling like I'm 
ready to balance you two for this one. I, I think a 6.7 right in between yeah, where you guys okay, were is okay. good for me. Because I could be inferring. I could be inferring yeah. a lot. Maybe he just wasn't that poetic yeah. back when he started out, but he's definitely grown. Sure. Like whether or not yeah, he was being oppressed or not, mm-hmm. it's definitely, he's definitely taken where he started and right. grown from there. Yeah. He has not remained stagnant. Right. So, and I want to quickly move on to our last artist. Unless yeah. You have, I don't have anything a, for X yeah. Factor. For so fan. nothing for X Factor, I would say. I think um, we're pretty much just ready to roll to the Ramones. Yeah. So let's roll into the Ramones. Uh, now, a little bit about the Ramones. Um, they are a punk rock band. They the were formed in bands. New York City in uh, 1974. Uh, they were active from 74 up till 96, or as their years active. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, as as Nick said, they were the punk rock band. They are widely yeah. credited with being one of if not the band that invented the genre of punk rock exactly and that's that's their biggest thing for me right i mean so, they're very likable I, I like all their all their albums that we listen yeah. to really and so what's so cool about them is that like oh this is what punk rock is originally yeah when you listen to it and i will say so we listen to three albums of theirs um as is pretty standard mm-hmm Three or four albums is pretty much there, what we're going to listen to. There are to. many good ones that we didn't get to. Though, yeah, there's to many good albums. They released 14 studio albums. Right. Uh, so obviously there's a lot of music that we didn't touch on. But again, we felt like this was how we kept consistent. Right. Their first album, titled Ramones, came out in 1976. Um, then we also listened to Rocket to Russia, From which came out in 77. Uh, which they released two albums in 77. Yes, Leave Home was also excellent. Yes, um, and then we listened to their last album, which is Adios Amigos. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I will say uh, for them, uh, we we had to kind of break formula a little bit uh, because their first album is also their most successful album. Yes, yeah, so we had to pick so one of the other successful ones from earlier. So we chose to add in one other ones, and we picked Rocket yeah, to Russia. We could have chosen Leave Home. We could have chosen Pleasant Dreams, Road to Ruin, End of the Century. There are a lot of really solid ones in the late 70s and early 80s for them, but we did go right. with Rocket to yeah, Russia. Yeah, we went with Rocket to Russia, and... Um, because it had such great critical reception. Exactly, the, great critical reception. Um, I know there was um, one that charted a little higher... Uh, which was end of the century charted a bit higher, but yeah. Other than that, but that had more mixed to positive reviews. Like all of those albums had pretty good reviews, but um, and Rock I will say, Russia is excellent. When I, you know, this is going to be a little surprising because when everybody kind of has heard of the Ramones, Ramones, their first album is the only album they had that went gold in the U.S. Fascinating. And the only album that. that went gold at all, with the exception of Mondo Bizarro, went gold in Brazil. Wow. So they had no gold That's albums wild. other than that. I never would have guessed that. According I mean, their first album, thresholds. while we're on Ramones, I mean, that was the one where Blitzkrieg Bop came, and that's like the yeah, one song that everybody knows by the Ramones, their, yeah. Blitzkrieg Bop. That's, yeah. uh, the first two after that, Beat on the Brat and Judy is a Punk, are like greatest hits album-type songs as well yeah. for them. Uh, amongst Ramones fans, those are two of the, the more popular ones as well, for sure. It was solid all the way through. I thought that this is just right. a... Ramones is just a good album that I can enjoy listening to from front to back. Those the first three songs ended up being their three biggest hits from it. Yes, but I, I think it's good all the way through after that anyway. Yeah, I mean the Ramones are definitely one of those bands where like I have to be in the mood to listen to them and yeah. like them. So like uh, for me, like every other band, I just like chose like I'm going to listen to this band now, listened all the way through. For the Ramones, it was more like 
all right, I'm in a good mood. Let me throw on some Ramones. Like yeah. I want to be, I can't just listen to them. And that's not a positive or negative. That's just it's, like, gotcha. they have to be, I have to be in the right mood to yes. enjoy them. The Ramones for me definitely feel almost like an ageless band. They definitely mm. don't date themselves. Yeah. You know, agreed. Like, you know, like when, you know, I know Greta Van Fleet, that's a new band, but we talk all in all about how they, they sound like, you know, 70s yeah. rock. Yeah. You know, when we talked about Oasis, I was like, oh, it sounds like the 90s. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're you right. put on music by the Ramones and tell me that it was a band that is new on the scene, and I probably wouldn't doubt right. you. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're, they had uh, two songs feature in the most recent Spider-Man movie. And, and not just their cover of the Spider-Man. Uh... Well, see, no, that's that's the crazy thing, right? So the new Spider-Man movie comes out, Spider-Man: Far From Home, mm-hmm. and not two, a sponsor, right? Not a two sponsor. Ramones songs are featured in that movie, and neither one of them is the Ramones version of oh, the, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man theme. theme. Right. We've got "I Want to Be Sedated," which is a great and one, and "Blitzkrieg Bop." Yep. So yeah. I mean, and I am, you know, I knew that the Ramones was a band, but mm. I could not tell you what songs they performed. Fair enough. And I didn't walk away from the Spider-Man movie during the end credits thinking that they were playing a throwback song. Right. Interesting. Certainly, okay. certainly wouldn't have told you, oh, so that end credit song from Spider-Man Far From Home, that's definitely like, oh, like a 1970s number uh, yeah you yeah. know Fair i enough. i wouldn't have even pegged it as an 80s number it, it sounded thing, yeah. so right makes recent sense. yeah in its sound i mean and i think that speaks to them i mean i being, agree. being I agree. one of the bands that practically invented the genre of yep. of pump of punk rock <laughs> good old pump rock <laughs> it is is really impressive to me and i i think you know, listening to all three of the albums, uh, and you know, it, it's a similar compliment like what I paid to, to Van Morrison, mm-hmm. is, you know, their longevity is, is pretty impressive. Yes. I don't listen to their early album, then their later album and their most recent album and go, wow, they really just kept doing the same thing. Sure. or wow, they really jumped the shark and all of a sudden became like a goth noir type, you know, it 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 remains consistent without ever getting stale. Yeah, that's a good point. And I will say one last thing before we leave that album and go to Rock to Russia, which is every single review was either 5 out of 5 stars, 10 out of 10, or an A. No one gave it less than a perfect score for that their first album in terms of critical reception. Yeah. And another uh, album that was equally really well received was Rocket to Russia, had uh, hits on it like Rockaway Beach, Sheena is a Punk Rocker, which is one of my absolute favorite Ramon yeah. songs, Where a Happy Family was a big one for them. Two of their best covers, I would say, uh, with Surf Do You Want to Dance and Surfing Bird. I really like their, oh, their Do You Want to Dance. Uh, but again, another album that I, I really liked all the way through. Uh, really yeah. enjoyable. Uh, I completely agree. Um, I, I feel like this album is one of those where it's like, I would say the most popular song on it is the cover is Surfing Bird. Personally, yeah, Sheena's Sheena a punk, punk rocker, rocker is, is probably the the biggest that's their song. Fair enough. But I think that uh, Surfing Bird was a little bit more. 
Maybe. It's close. Um, let's move on to their last album. Yes. This one I, I know we barely touched on Rocket to Russia, but we kind of did as we were talking about them in general. Fair enough. Um, um, yeah, and we're skipping all of their albums that are sort of like my favorites, too, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but I mean, you, we'll know, keep that in you mind can still have them in your back on. pocket exactly. if you've heard them, but yes. we wanted anybody to be able to listen to them you know, with us. So you kind of yeah. go over, you know, basically what what we want is if you want to listen along with us and form your own opinions, we tell you which three albums Absolutely. we listened to, yeah. then you great... listen to them, and then you continue our podcast great and you point. hear our opinions. Um, I will say the interesting thing, uh, there was always a, like a decent mix of who was writing all the songs. Yes. Dee Dee Ramone completely like owns this final album. I right. mean, he, he wrote or co-wrote one, two, three, four, five, six of the songs, like... He wrote a, a large percentage of them. Yeah. And Dee Dee Ramone's work after the the Ramones is horrifying. And Thank I, you for ad, bringing it and up. And I advise you to never, ever hear it or else it your ears will fall off. Real But rough. I don't think it hurt this album. Like, his, his work for the Ramones was solid Ramones music. Yeah. Like, they were all solid Ramones tracks, and then he left, and it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as long as he's not singing, they're solid Ramones tracks. Well, it's it's very interesting to me because, like, D.D. Ramone is probably the first artist that I experienced where it was like I was very aware that they were addicted to drugs. Mm. Like, the older I've gotten, the more music research I did. Sure. It was like, oh my gosh, it was rampant. Yeah. But like, I knew that Dee Dee Ramone was addicted to heroin, <laughs> and not just from his music. Just like it was, it was known, right? That like that was a thing, and like, of course, that's how he passed away. Um, but especially yeah, some of his solo work after the after the Ramones. Oh yeah, it's not. You good. could tell. It's I mean, not good. as sad as that is, it is. Uh, but Adios Amigos, you know. It was. Uh, I wouldn't give it a super high rating for me. No, it was. It was okay. It was the worst one that we listened to for sure. But it was. It was another one of those songs that I or uh, albums that I file under pleasantly forgettable. Yeah, like, it was. That was, was a fine album to listen to. That was. Uh, you know, I don't regret that half hour of my life. Right. I enjoyed it. So but I, I don't say, remember it. without further ado, let's start jumping into some rankings totally for the Ramones. So cultural impact, I think you hit on the reason why they need to score relatively well on this category, is which is that they, they invented, invented a genre. Rock. Uh, the fact that to me, it puts them. Well, at now like here's a the real question: eight. Are we no going more. to give the same? You know, there were other bands involved in that. Are we going to give the same thing to the Sex Pistols? And so like I would that? say, like the Sex Pistols are the other band that like will benefit from that. What's okay, the, but the Sex Pistols were like an album and done. I don't know if it was one or two, but they were like they burn out immediately and they were gone. The Ramones okay. were like the stalwart. You know, they were the. So Nick, what what ranking are you thinking? So for me, as for you, me, they're, as you add they're points. an eight. You think they're for an me? Eight. They're an eight just because, like, if you say okay. punk rock. The and, and t- ask someone to name a band, they will say Ramones. Okay, Tyler, what do you think? I I mean, just speaking for myself, I you know, I I did praise them for sounding timeless and the fact that you know their songs have turned up in recent Marvel films. You know, they did a song for one of my favorite Stephen King yeah. films, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery, yeah, but. At the same time, I never really knew what who the Ramones were. Right. Uh, I I don't I I think 
outside of in- inventing the genre, which is something that I'm, yeah. that I'm just recently being told because <laughs> I didn't do a deep dive on the Ramones Fair or enough. you know the genre right. of pop rock. I, I punk rock, right? I've heard it both ways. Um, <laughs> so I I just to me in my life and my upbringing, I don't really think the Ramones would deserve like a like an eight rating i i certainly wouldn't say that they did nothing as far as like influential goes but mm-hmm. i would probably have to have to go like a six or seven Ooh. in that area okay. just because i mean clearly they were doing stuff and i've heard their songs all over the mm-hmm. place but for me it was like real under the radar yeah you know Fair outside enough. of being in the music industry and really being into music and rock and going to concerts and record stores, stuff like that. Like me with my upbringing, I had absolutely no idea who the Ramones were. I knew they were a band. Okay. But okay, I fair enough. Couldn't have done anything else. So that. I am kind of right in the middle of you too. I don't think they're okay. all the way up at an eight. I think that I mean without. Without people knowing they invented punk rock, which does give them some points because of right. the things like, that came after them. If you had to write a book, say it's 2100, and you've see, been tasked with writing a book on the but, music of the 1900s, the Ramones would have a significant chapter, I know we I like think. to go in order. I, would be, I wouldn't be giving them points for inventing the genre on cultural impact. I'd be giving them points on inventing the genre as their X, X factor. factor. Okay. Yeah, so I, mean, I would personally is, be putting yeah. them at like a like a six, eight, or a seven. Yeah, that that I feels do more that. fair to me for an X factor. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. I think. You know, I mean, it's it's one thing to invent something; yeah. it's another thing to take that invention and actually run with it, yeah, right? And, and become like no, but like what I mean is like there there are people who've reinvented the music industry. Mm. Sure, you know, right? Like, they're not the Beatles. Yeah, like Michael Jackson reinvented the music industry. And not only like practically invented what we now know mm-hmm. as modern pop music, sure. but still remains a name to this day. Yeah, no, that I can't disagree with people that. People talk and associate with it. Whereas, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, Look. outside of like music fans, I don't right. know if you just threw Ramones right. out to a group of people Gosh. and say, "Hey, do you like the Ramones?" They'd be like, "They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're if who the are Ramones they? get an X Factor, I'm okay with lowering. Them. I'm like, okay. that's uh, I'm, I'm so not let's argue let's, let's move on to their breadth of work. A lot of albums. A lot of albums, some clunker, a little bit of clunkers. clunkers. I think the first like six albums or so from the the late from seventy six to like eighty two ish or eighty three are all pretty good all the way through. And their later ones, actually, their last one turned out to be not as bad as I was worried that it would be. Yeah, they have. Yeah, but they should lose like six or seven points for Acid Eaters. Acid Eaters is their album of all covers. It is awful. It's so bad. Every <laughs> I mean, they terrible. they have some clunkers, but I don't think as as a as a band, it really slowed them down. No, generally speaking, right. album after album just kept pushing them out. So all albums enjoyable. So here's what I'm I'm thinking here. Okay, I'd be saying around a seven and a half, seven point five. That's my thought process. I think they're above average. I think once you get to eight yeah. and above. 
you're talking like superstar level. And I don't think the okay. Ramones are a okay. superstar group. Seven and a half sounds good to me. Okay. I can roll with Instrumental that. talent is Below low. Below average. Is very low. They, they, I mean, even they I Want to Be Sedated is arguably yeah. their most famous song where they play instruments because Blitzkrieg Bop is just solo. a yell. A one note guitar solo. Yeah, it's one note on the yeah. guitar solo. I think, I mean, three and a half is generous. I agree. So let's give them a 3.2. Okay. I mean, like, literally, like, they just didn't screw it up, but they played three chords Tyler, for every song. Tyler, feel free to jump in if you disagree with us yes, on that. Please. But I, yeah, no, I'm, it's, yeah, that's right. right where I would now, have it. considering that they weren't very good at their instruments, or even if they were vir- virtuosos, they just didn't play them in an impressive way. Right. Their songwriting was, they still put out good songs. They, they wrote songs that yeah. were interesting, and, like, within their, their, like, punk roots, they did things that were different. Yeah, I would I would probably give them probably about a six for okay. their songwriting, just because I mean, it's they they definitely came out with some timeless songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the end of the seventies that don't date themselves yeah. to the seventies, yeah. which right. I think is great. So you're th- you're saying about a six? But, yeah, and I'm saying yeah. of the of the bands on this, and it's not like great work. This is also the only band that does anything interesting vocally with at least trying to have sometimes backing vocals. Of the bands okay. on this list, they sometimes so have backing vocals. Are you agreeing with Tyler and saying about a six? Is that... I could I could be talked into anything between five and six. Okay, okay. So I personally would give them above average as well for trying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they, they tried a little bit. I think that experimenting with vocals, they still aggressively stayed in their genre. Yes. And I yes. think that how aggressively they stayed in that genre I think would take a little bit away because they sure. didn't even try. No. I I'd agree. rather you try and fail to be something else at some point. Sure. Because then at least like you're you're make, taking those chances. Sure. Like for instance, if we want to talk back about the Beatles, you know, I appreciate that they took chances with like yeah. Revolution 9. Sure. Like, I appreciate that they released that and were like, we tried something different. And it yeah. totally, I don't like it, but right. it, it was something different. Yeah, the, so are we the at Ramones, like in the five and a half range? I think about where? five and a half. The Ramones okay. definitely played it safe. Yeah, yes. they played it safe. Speaking uh, of the Ramones poetic talent, safe, poetic talent, under, under par. Under par. Me. I, mean, I agree. There's not much going on. Like, And to be fair to them, there wasn't supposed to be much going on. Like that Correct. was the whole style the whole point and of feel punk rock and the that, point yeah. of the music was but it wasn't supposed to be much. Arguing, I mean, still these are yeah these holding are, them up against other. I mean, holding them yes. up against Van Morrison. Obviously, or, like, these are these are good. all songs that lyrically, if you were to put them in any other genre, would completely mm-hmm. fall. Like I, yes. very true. I'm right. not about to listen to a Frank Sinatra style version. Yeah. of I want to be sedated. Yeah, agreed. Because all of the right. flaws would. Just I'm not stick willing out to there. take them down to like a. a well, I mean, I want to be sedated because... has like three sentences in yeah, the whole exactly. song. Exactly. Right. Same I don't thing think they're Blitzkrieg the like Bob. lowest rated here. You know, I don't think they're no, bad. No, 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 no. Because they did what they were supposed to for the music they were writing. It's just not in any way impressive. I mean, like, or, like I, I would be good. in between a four point five and a five. I'm right there with you. Now? I would do a four seven even. Okay. Okay. okay four seven. See, here's the issue I'm having now that I have vocally said. A Frank Sinatra style cover. Now, now you really want to hear be it. Sedated. I want to hear right, that. Well, we'll I would like Pat. Yeah, there I would yeah. like Pat to work we'll on that. that yeah. one. All right. Now the only question is: out of the five possible X Factor points, how many are we going to award them for basically like being I at the hill? Would personally the... give them two. I was thinking two myself. If I I'm think totally two points. I would give two, two X Factor points for you know being the the proprietors of punk Fair rock enough. that means that we're uh 
at ready to tally up those final scores. Yeah, let's and go I can ahead, tell Nick. you guys who came in third, second, and first for this episode. Yep, I would very much appreciate in, if you did. In uh, third place, we have, with 22.2 points, Greta Van Fleet. Okay. An impressive showing for a young band. Very, very true. Uh, at 29.7 in second place are the Ramones. Okay. we just discussed. Uh, and then winning the episode... To, which I think might have surprised us before it, we went in. It did in surprise bit, me, right? Yeah. Um, is Van Morrison with a 32.4. Yeah. And very respectable. So congrats, Van. Uh, yes, you can congrats, uh, contact Van. us for your trophy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and to tune collaborate in for on the next episode where one of our three bands will be Alice in Chains. Yes. Um, other than that, um, that's it for Totem Talks yes. today. Uh, feel free to check us out online at lowtotemband.com. Or um, you can also check us out on our social medias, low underscore totem for Instagram and Facebook.com, Facebook.com slash low totem band. I remember how to speak. And Speaking you, you guys have a uh, low totem has a fans only, right? <laughs> sure. It is an only fans and right. uh, yeah. we don't talk about that one. Ah, no, we all do right. Not. Never mind. Don't, don't try to find their, <laughs> so, uh, their, their fans. Everybody, uh, that's it for us. And you guys have a great night or day or afternoon or whatever. Fair enough. All right. Just, just sign up. <laughs> <laughs>